for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the LA Rams for the Athletic about Sunday's NFC Championship game from SoFi Stadium. The Niners, in a 27-24 overtime win in Week 18, locked up a playoff spot with a 17-point comeback against the Rams. They'll take them on for the 11th time in Kyle Shanahan's tenure as head coach of the 49ers. They've won six consecutive games. And actually, five previous times in NFL history has a team beaten its division opponent twice in the regular season and gone on to face that team in the championship game, in the conference championship game, three different times. The 2-0 team has gone on to be 3-0. All stuff we can talk about with Jordan Rodrigue, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, January 26th. One of our favorite people to talk football with, and specifically, we're talking NFC Championship 49ers and the Rams. It's Jordan Rodriguez. We talked to her in Week 18, or right before Week 18, when the Niners went down to SoFi and beat the Rams to get into the playoffs, and now here they are again, Championship Weekend. Jordan, isn't this exactly where you thought we'd be heading into the into the Conference Championship? How are you? I feel like it's where you thought we would and knew we would be. <laughs> I, I feel like you called this <laughs> during the last... This Rams team is truly just chaotic enough to allow this to happen, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I was sort of joking at the end of our last hit when I said, yeah, talk to you in a few weeks. They could see each other in the playoffs. <laughs> However, we're quite literally in this spot because of the Rams. I mean, we can go back to week 10 when the Niners were 3-5 and five and beat the brakes off them, or we can talk week 18 when they were up 17 points and ended up losing that game. They're facing each other because of how things played out between the two teams. However, the Rams have to be feeling pretty good after that win over the Buccaneers, even though they almost gave the game away. What's the status of the Rams and maybe the mindset of the team heading into this one? There is some some glee and some joy and all of that, but in terms of how that almost didn't happen, you got flashbacks from that Week 18 game for sure in terms of the self-inflicted uh, wounds that they were causing uh, on themselves and the way that they allowed a team to get back in it when they had some opportunities to just kind of keep their foot on the gas and, and close. And instead, you know, four fumbles, two by Cam Akers. And, and again, you're trying to put the game away and you can't really run against the Tampa Bay front. Nobody really can, but you're still trying to put the game away. So you try to keep the ball on the ground. You don't expect those things to happen. Um, so I think they're kind of hoping that that's a, a one-off situation. But the essence of, of letting a team stay around and stay in it, it's dangerous when you allow Tom Brady to do it. I would actually argue that with this 49ers team, playing the way that they are and how tough they are, I think it's even more dangerous to allow them to stick around. Um, so that's going to be a huge, huge thing for the Rams to, to be aware of. And so that's where I think their focus really is, is, okay, is that a symptom of sort of just crazy chaos and, and freak things that happen? Or is it a symptom of, of us not being able to close? And, and obviously you need to be able to execute in those margins to actually get to the Super Bowl through these guys who you've allowed to hang around. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of a, a point the 49ers made early in the season, is, and they've talked about it a lot in this last week, is finishing games. Is this a hallmark of this Rams team, or do you think this is just sort of two things that have happened over the last four weeks? Obviously, Week 18 we just mentioned, and uh, what happened in the divisional round against Tom Brady, where they're up 27-3, to a little bit too close, I think, to 28-3. to But is that a hallmark <laughs> of this Rams team, or is that just sort of two outliers on the season? I think they're mostly outliers, but I think one of the – the more maybe concerning, although kind of very interesting psychologically, is that they seem to invite chaos. <laughs> and I wrote about this in my column this week. It's kind of like 
they're creating their own demons and then sort of trying to stare them down mid-game. And, and like, guys, you don't have to do that. You know, like, there's easier ways to enter 2022. We've already been through enough collectively at this point. You know, you, can, you don't have to sit there and just invite your own chaos by making some of these mistakes. And it almost seems like, and you saw it all through December when sort of external chaos was all around this team and they were winning games and just ripping off all kinds of points and, and just playing phenomenal football, complete football. And... It's almost like when things started to get normal again for them, that's when they dropped the ball, uh, no pun intended. And so again, against Tampa Bay, when things were normal, when they had this really comfortable lead and they could exhale for, for the first time against Tom Brady in, in, a, in a hostile environment, then that's when the wheels started coming off. And so I'm kind of like, that's a little concerning. <laughs> if you're talking not just about football players, but about like human beings, for example, a bit concerning. That's been more of the, of the consistent theme that I've seen. And so it's almost like you have to continue to, to tell yourself you are in a chaotic state of mind. You are in that space now that it, the stakes are so high against this 49ers team. Because again, this is a team that will punish you. If, if you give them even a small window, make one or two small mistakes, they will punish you for it. Well, and it's what happened against the Packers. The Niners with four consecutive three and outs to start the game. And then on that fifth drive, they drive downfield and Jimmy Garoppolo throws an interception, but they end up blocking that kick before half and they left the door open for the Niners to get back in. And it's exactly what happened in the divisional round. I, I want to ask you about the sort of, I don't know, maybe the strategy the Rams may go with this week. Not that anybody's going to know until we head into the game, but the Niners have beaten them so many different ways. The six consecutive wins going back to 2019 is obviously alarming, but they've done it coming from behind. They've done it blowing out the Rams. They've done it in close games. They've done it in walk-off field goals. Is there a a, a way the Rams come into this game? I know even beating Tom Brady seemed like, oh boy, that's going to be a tall task. And then they did it. They played three and a half great quarters of football. And then obviously that final great drive. What do you think they've got to do in order to beat the Niners? Can they get on top? Does Sean McVay know how to put games away? What can they do to take this team down? I do think they could take a lead. They did last time. The problem is you do need to see that proof from Sean McVay that he can put a game of that magnitude away in that regard. Um, it's one thing to be resilient and sort of advanced in your in your live troubleshooting and problem solving when your backs are against the wall. It's another thing entirely to put a game away and to close when you need to close. The Super Bowl is for closers, right? And so <laughs> this is going to really depend on that part of of maybe himself that hasn't worked out so well for the Rams. But I think overall, they've just got to play this game as true as they can. It sounds so dumb and so lame. And normally I come on here and I talk about exciting things and X's and O's and, and analytics and evolution. But really, this is going to be about tackling. It's going to be about fundamental football and 11 players tackling at the point of contact because the last two times the 49ers beat them and not only beat them, but sort of sucked the life out of them bit by bit was because the Rams could not contain on first contact and they were uh, they were unable to uh, sort of um, you know contain some of those catch and runs particularly on third down Jimmy Garoppolo only had to throw the ball the first time around only had to throw the ball essentially on third downs on known passing downs because they set up great great downs with on their rundowns on first and second because the Rams weren't able to tackle. And then, you know, they, they weren't able to contain on the catch and runs when, when Jimmy G did throw, particularly in their second level. Well, the second time around, they did the same exact thing, except mostly all on the ground. 
in terms of continuing to target and to sort of spam the second level of the Rams defense, the players who have been so frequently missing those opportunities by doing it by changing the contact point with what they're doing at the run game, some of those toss plays and those pitch plays, putting the onus on the on the linebackers to come downhill instead of just that that front that's been playing so ferociously. And again, it's going to take containing on that first contact point, whatever it may be, whether it's spamming the second level, which I expect them to do again, or it's, you know, just simple run plays and and the variety of run plays that we know that Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel like to run. It's really going to come down to fundamental physical football in that regard, in my opinion. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. The biggest difference probably from that Week 10 game for me, yes, Odell Beckham Jr. is being used more in the offense, but for me, it's got to be Vaughn Miller. Seven sacks now in his last six games. This is better than I think the Rams could have asked for when they made this trade for him uh, from Denver. What have you seen from him, and, and is he playing like a man possessed? or are, are the stats telling the whole Vaughn Miller story right now? Not the entire story, which I think is so great. It ties in so well to this game, right? Because, yes, he is playing just out of this world, crazy ball, crazy football right now. And, you know, he looks like vintage Von Miller. He, he really does. But I think where we're maybe not giving him enough credit and where it will be of the utmost importance in this specific game is what he's been able to do against the run. Um, you know, we do see the tackle for loss stats and they're substantial for him, particularly through the last seven games. But at the same time, the way that he affects run plays, the way that he can move to the perimeter and get, you know, get lateral if he needs to, the way he can shed and then get downhill if he needs to, that has really stood out to me over the last couple of weeks. He made a couple of plays on Leonard Fournette on Sunday that prevented what would have been massive gashes into the, into the Rams' defense. And that is going to come in so huge in this game. Again, to me, this will be all about the ways that the 49ers can punish the Rams on the ground and the ways that the Rams need to adjust quickly and physically in order to contain um, some of those gash plays. I think I said six sacks in seven games, seven sacks in his last six games into the playoffs. And he did have one against Jimmy G back in week 18 in the 24-27 loss. In terms of Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, we all know what Cooper Cup has done this year, but Odell, he was the guy at Wild Card Weekend, sort of set the game on fire. He had a much bigger game than Cooper Cup did. Uh, how's his implementation into this offense been? And is he is he basically taking over that Robert Woods role? I wouldn't say completely taken over the Woods role because they're still missing some of the things that Robert did in the run game with with some of his really physical blocking. And then they'd also run Robert in a bunch of tight end concepts as well. So they're kind of still missing that dimension. But Odell has lent them dimension elsewhere that they didn't have. Contested catches, some of those deep concepts that that they have been utilizing and actually are showing looks with other receivers that Odell Beckham certainly does run. He even threw... (laughs) Threw the ball a couple weeks ago. I mean, this guy can do everything. He he kicks field goals during warmups. So I guess in an emergency situation, you can always look at him in that regard. But in all seriousness, he's been so steady in terms of just the ways he's tried to contribute. It hasn't been he showed up when they needed needed him to, and there was still an onboarding period. And even a couple weeks ago, you know, maybe mistiming, miscommunication in that last play uh, that sort of sealed the game, that interception by Matthew Stafford. 
And, you know, you see that timing that's still developing, but when they need him to step up, when they need him to strong arm and strong hand catches, contested catches, fades, things like that in the red zone. And then also running different types of concepts that they run with Cooper. I mean, some of the the work he's done out of the slot, some of the work he's done out of play action, passing concepts, that has been, you know, for a while missing Robert, that was really only Cooper Cup. But now they've got two versatile dimensional receivers and then you add Van Jefferson to the mix and these guys are dangerous. Give me your download or your thought uh, here on, on Matt Stafford's uh, last couple of weeks. Obviously, gets the monkey off his back with the no playoff wins uh, with Detroit, and he gets a couple of them here in the, the first couple of rounds, one against Arizona in a blowout, and then obviously played really well on that final drive, throws the bomb to Cooper Cup that leads to the Matt Gay field goal that wins it for the Rams. But, but what's been the thought around him uh, from where he was at the back end of the season? I know he struggled a little bit, but has he righted the ship, you think? Oh, I think he's just played exceptional football because he's played really sound and smart football. They've really picked their spots efficiently, I think, in the passing game and effectively. I mean, the the incomplete passes he had in the wild card were all drops by receivers. And then, you know, he's not turning the ball over. And obviously I'm saying with a big caveat that that guy has shown up a couple times during the season. Uh, So you kind of never know when he's lurking around the corner. But in terms of standing up under pressure, I mean, that is a tough Tampa Bay front to play. You even saw in that last play, he stood in there and, and took a heck of a shot from Sue and still got the ball perfectly placed, the touch on it. They're, they're really depending on how he manipulates defenses. You saw that a lot against the Cardinals, manipulating the defense with his eyes and with his shoulders and sort of the way he moves um, his torso. And those are the things that start to stand out. Again, we talk about margins and finding those margins to, to leverage an advantage. Those are, are what he brings. And, and when you blend that with him playing really, really sound football, making smart decisions, keeping the ball, even if it means a sack, instead of trying to force a risky throw like you saw earlier in the year, you know, picking his spots, not, not just dropping back and gunning it downfield when he doesn't have to. Those are the types of things that are really, really important for him moving forward. And he has certainly risen to the, to the challenge sort of set for him in the postseason. It's going to be an awful lot of fun. One more for you on the way out, Jordan. I know this has been a a huge topic or or point of discussion in the Bay Area this week already after the news came out on, I guess it was like during the game, during the the divisional game for the Rams last week, that they were going to limit the number of tickets sold to to Northern California uh, zip codes. That that notice went away, I guess, on on Ticketmaster later in the day on, on Monday or Tuesday. We expect it to be sort of loud. We expect it to be red as it was sort of a takeover week 18. Has this been a big point of conversation? down there. I know the Rams spoke about it after the game uh, when they lost week 18. Yeah, big point of conversation, but I think there's not really much you can do. A lot of the, the a lot of the reason this is happening is because of ticket brokers, right? So by the way, they're also not restricting ticket sales either. I know that was like a huge thing when it came out, but it was only if they weren't able to sell the their season tickets, which they did. So they weren't it was an option if they couldn't sell them, obviously, and, and, and very fair to criticize, I think, from the 49ers' perspective on that. Super fair to criticize that if it were to happen, but it, it didn't happen, so it wasn't an option. Again, like I expect it to be loud there with, with 49ers fans. That's just kind of the state of things in Los Angeles right now. There's still a lot of work to be done by the Rams, by their marketing team, by their football team in general. It's not just having the big shiny stadium that costs $5 billion. It's also really reestablishing your roots. And that's part of the reason why this run is so important to the Rams and to the Rams uh, powers that be is because you can help reestablish those roots by winning football games. And so, yes, I do expect it to be loud when the Rams are on offense again. I expect them to be practicing their silent count this week. I expect them to be ready 
for those types of scenarios. Um, you can't get caught by surprise by those things, particularly when the 49ers fan base did make such a strong statement and did help the the team, in my opinion, retake control of that game late late in the game. So um, that that's hugely important. It's an ongoing process, I think, for the Rams marketing efforts and, and all of the sort of foundational efforts of what this franchise wants to be now. Quick success doesn't necessarily mean that you're able to, uh, first of all, <laughs> get those tickets to fans who actually can afford them or, you know, to, to obviously establish that that lockdown home presence that other sort of long tenured franchises are able to have. So it, it's definitely a work in progress and it's definitely going to be a point of emphasis. I think every time San Francisco does come to town, um, it's, it's always going to be something that's brought up. They're calling it Lil Levi's is what they're calling it. Ba- baby <laughs> Levi down south. That's what the uh, the rapper Pilo is calling it. So, Jordan, I guess the biggest bummer about this, we get an NFC Championship game, but it'll be the last time we talk until the 2022 regular season. Enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks so much for the season. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Jordan Rodriguez. She does such a great job covering the Rams all season long, and we got two hits with her in the last four weeks as the Niners take down the Rams back in Week 18, which had vaulted them into the playoff picture. Had they lost that game, they would not have made the playoffs. And then after two big wins over Dallas and over the Green Bay Packers, they are into the NFC Championship game. Should be a fun one and a loud one on Sunday from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. Thank you to Jordan. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep getting you ready for the NFC Championship game on Sunday. Brent Jones, former San Francisco 49ers tight end, he's going to stop by the podcast on Friday, give you everything you need for Rams week. Should be a fun one. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday.